Hello, and welcome to the show Gold Squadron Gays. It's the podcast where two Star Wars-loving gays break down each episode of their favorite Star Wars TV shows, while also being gay as hell. I'm your host, Bradley Brower. And I'm Charles Rogers, and holy shit, that was the fastest I've ever heard you read, read the intro. Well... You just, like, blasted through that, <laughs> like, at a you thousand miles an hour. Well, fun fact, no one's ever going to hear that because I use the same exact intro audio every single time for my part, regardless. So, <laughs> and I automatically cut to yours, which is real. <laughs> See, I know this. I know this fact about the editing, but head empty, no thoughts, only Kenobi cast list. Yes. Um, actually, so what's funny, so by this recording, uh, people have already seen this list. Uh, the Obi-Wan Kenobi cast list has come out and we kind of recently have seen it. I didn't even know they were going to do this. Like, I, I mean, cause who, when is this even planned on being released? 20, 2022. They're right. starting filming. Like as we recorded is this now, is, right? it is April 3rd. So they're starting filming this month and they just released the cast list. Yeah. Just like, randomly released it. No idea, no idea who, okay, we know who certain people are playing, but no right. idea who most of these people are playing. Right. It's just. I mean, we know, we know, we know Ian McGregor is going to be Darth Vader. We know that Hayden Christensen is going to be a young Obi-Wan Kenobi. Oh, wait right. a minute. I got that messed up. Hold on. Wait. <laughs> um, no, we know no. that obviously, because they're the main, you know, guys. Right. Um, but so, I mean, I'm then surprised cast list uh two people actually that i was kind of i guess not i shouldn't be shocked that they were on this list but it's a kind of like a nice like easter egg i guess i mean they'll probably only be in one episode yeah because it is only like it's like a six episode right limited so i'm assuming series. they're only going to be in one episode it's uh, maybe one or two uh the young um uncle owen and Peru. joel edgerton and bonnie piesi Right. I think that's how you say her last name. So I can't imagine they're going to be in the show very long. It, or if if anything, they're in a flashback. Or they're in like one episode, you know, where he talks to them for like one second. Uh, they're probably present day. Some of these people I could see being like, there's been a lot of talk of like flashbacks on the show. So people are yeah. like, oh, I wonder if this and such person is playing Duchess Satine in a flashback. Right. They're saying Hayden Christensen, you know, you don't get Hayden Christensen. You don't pay the yeah. money to get Hayden Christensen to come back to Star Wars and then sh shove him in the sh suit. Right. And the interesting thing too is, so there's a couple of interesting things about this cast list. And one of the mm. interesting things is a notable exclusion from the list. Which is Liam Neeson. Okay, yes. But oh. <laughs> the other exclusion- oh, Who's the other one? Liam Neeson, they're going to keep as a surprise. If he's in the show- If he's in it. They're going to keep him as a surprise. Right. They're going to like- agree. He's the, in he's the baby Yoda Death. of this show. But the the interesting person that is not on this cast list is James Earl Jones. Interesting. We why, have why do you say Christian, that? Because he is the voice of Darth Vader. And if you're going to do the Kenobi show, oh. and you're going to have Darth Vader in the suit show up, you're going to want James Earl Jones, at least while they've still got him, right. voice. You're not going to get one of these side guys mm -hmm. who does the voice for like the video games and stuff to come in and do Vader on this show while you've got Jones. So I thought it was interesting that Jones is not on this list. 
Gotcha. So there was some standouts on this list that are just random that I did want to point out. So one of the guys, um, his name is Kumail Nanjani. I think that's how you say it. Kumail Nanjiani. Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. You know how to do it. He's a, he's a fairly, fairly uh, prolific. Right. uh, Comedic actor. Exactly. So uh, I've seen him in a couple things. things. Right. So I've seen him in a couple things, but he's most notably though, he's going to be um, in the new uh, Marvel's movie called Eternals. And And he got jacked for it. He looks fucking fantastic. His body. He got jacked for it. He like, knows what he's doing now, but it's one of those moments where I saw him. I was like, because I knew him initially, and I'm like, oh, he's a funny, you know, comedic he's a actor. Funny guy, and I yeah. saw a, a photo of him getting jacked for Eternals. I was like, yes, right. So yes, please. Do you want to hear what the rumor is of who he's playing? Who who is the rumor? People think that he's playing Kitster. So I don't think that's a far far guess. You don't think so? I, I thought it was so, so random. It's just too random for me. Now, the one I heard that made the most sense is they're going to get him like to voice a droid or something. Okay. Which, well, okay, I like yeah, that. that makes the most that, sense. That makes- it would not be out of the question okay. for him to be playing Kitster. Because okay. that, I mean, that's one of those things that's been tossed around. Right. Like the idea of, oh, they might bring Kitster back for something. Yeah, but what, what, how would he fit into the story? I just don't see him fitting into the story. Unless they randomly find a way to make him work. I just don't know. But it's like, where was he, you know, if he's been around this long, then why didn't he see Luke? If he can see Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru, why can't he see fucking Luke? You know what I mean? So it's I, don't, like, I don't know if Kitster knew about Luke or Owen or Beru. Like, we don't right. know. I don't think he can, and we know anything about him after Nothing. the events of the Phantom Menace. Other in Legends, he popped of. up a few times. Gotcha. Okay. But... It, in canon, not so much. I've heard some interesting rumors for mm-hmm. some of these casts. Uh, I've heard Asajj Ventress's name tossed around for a couple of people on this list. I thought, because yeah, I found- How does that fit? That doesn't fit to me. Even though, it's, now you, know, you know as much as I do that I would kill to have live action Asajj Ventress. It's true. It's true. Bradley would actually commit murder for this. But- I just don't see it. You just don't see it happening. I don't see it happening because I don't see how it fits in this story. Maybe in another story. I just don't see how it fits in this current story. If they do it as flashbacks or force apparitions, Mm -hmm. because uh, I am sorry, Bradley, to report that Asajj Ventress is not alive. I don't know. During the events of... Uh, the dark times between episode three and episode four. I'm sorry to report that, but when they laid her body to rest at the end of that, the book, Dark Disciple, mm-hmm. I believe she kind of disappeared into green force magic. So it's not, it's been a while since I've read the book. I need to reread it, but it's not, it's not out of the question that she could show up in a flashback or as a force apparition. Okay. Anyway, I just thought that was interesting because the character that you're saying, or the one of the ladies uh, that could possibly her be her, is kind of funny enough. Well, no, because actually you said it was somebody else that was going to be her, so I don't even know. I've heard, I've heard two. So I thought what was interesting to me 
was when I first saw this, yes. Moses Ingram, who is one of the actresses whose character we do not know, is right. billed on this above Joel Edgerton and Bonnie Piercy. Right, she's so really she's up there. clearly playing, she's third billed behind Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen. She's clearly playing someone of prominence. So my first, I fell into the same trap as everybody else. I went, right. Assage, maybe? Or like, why Why wouldn't she be like, maybe like... Um, but then somebody uh, pointed out to me that, um, or actually I was watching a YouTube video and they earlier today, yeah. and they were talking about how Indira Varma has like the right facial structure and if you mm -hmm. are familiar with her other work Indira Varma most people know her from playing Pedro Pascal's right. wife on Game of Thrones mm -hmm. I know her as um alpha bitch who I hate Vivienne in Dragon Age Inquisition the uh -huh. centrist mage lady that I cannot stand hate her characters like I, I love the character yeah on a writing level but it, like personally playing the game I'm like I hate you so much and part of it is Indira's like wonderful performance right somebody pointed out like oh that's that's in keeping with the type of character that she is good at playing to play like an Asajj Ventress type so I don't know I mean, I mean, bone structure wise and everything, I would believe that more than I would believe the other character that people think she's playing, um, which is Satine. But you have to get you have to get the actress from Moulin Rouge for Satine. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, well, there I is no other actress I will accept in this role. The actor, the character is named after that movie. You have to get. Is it Nicole Kidman? Oh. I didn't know. I, think I've never, I haven't Kidman. seen. I haven't seen Moulin Rouge, so I don't know. But I I know this name, but I just blanked. <laughs> like I know this film and I know this name, and it, when it came to record this, I immediately blanked on who the actress was. Well, Nicole Kidman is in Moulin Rouge, so I don't know if that's yes. It is Nicole Kidman. Okay. It is Nicole Kidman. That's what but, I thought. So but your I dream, doubted myself. So your dream casting for Satine is. Nicole Kidman, which I'm down for. I mean, I would love uh, to see Nicole It's the only Kidman. acceptable casting. For I would love Satine. to see her in a Star Wars film. Um, you have Ewan McGregor in this, and you have a character named Satine yes. that Ewan McGregor's character is in love with. Right. Obviously, if you're going to bring her in, you bring in Nicole Kidman. At probably... Right. I, I theorize that like with Liam Neeson, they might already have brought in Nicole Somebody. Kidman to do this and they're just not telling anyone so okay wait if this let's just go with your theory that Nicole Kidman is secretly in this project and she's <laughs> playing Satine then that still leaves these three ladies that are on this list besides uh Aunt Beru um as like who the hell are they I mean, obviously they could just be any random ass female character it doesn't have to be a like somebody very important but because think... it's only a six episode thing they I feel like they have to be important I hear me out if if you put a gun to my head because most of these people I think are not playing established characters other than the ones we already know except maybe Indira Varma might be playing somebody we know but if you held a gun yeah. to my head and said take a guess at which of these people is playing an actual character that we've seen before right under head Moses Ingram is playing Ray Sloan I don't know who that is 
Of course you don't, because you don't know how to read. Uh, Ray Sloan is a very, she's a very prominent character. She's shown up in a couple of different media. She showed up, Mm -hmm. she was introduced in Aftermath as a Imperial uh, Grand Admiral who is instrumental in getting the the remnants of the empire to the unknown regions after the battle of jack hill so that they could become the first order but she's also shown up she was a in star wars squadrons mm-hmm. on the empire side she shows up in that game and then she also she showed up in several comics she showed up in several um she's been a tie-in book for star wars rebels so she's all over other pieces of media it would not surprise me to see a young Ray Sloan in the Obi-Wan Kenobi show as a central antagonist. Okay, well, that sounds like too much work for people to figure out who that character is. So so the only last thing I should say about this is I looked up and it says something about uh, Moses Ingram mentioned that she was playing with lightsabers in preparation for Kenobi. So maybe an Inquisitor? That's another theory. That's what led me to initially think she might be playing Ventress was okay. i mean i would like it what if she was like one of the like the seventh sister or something like, you know what i mean like maybe one of them is still randomly alive so like i don't know well they they would be because i think kenobi takes place before the events of star wars rebels in fact i know for a oh, fact so? kenobi takes place before the events of rebels season oh great so maybe all the inquisitors show up oh oh okay it's wait possible. now this just got more interesting because maybe rupert friend is playing the head inquisitor You'd think they would get Jason Isaacs back for that. Yeah, but you know, I feel like they're trying being the Grand Inquisitor. But I feel like that would just be throwing everybody a bone and being like, "Look, we're putting the Inquisitors in this show." When they want to keep it a secret and make it this really cool, like, oh, all the villains, by the way, of this are not Hayden Christensen at all. He's not even the villain. The real villains are the Inquisitors who are trying to hunt down Obi Wan Kenobi the whole time. Hmm. Because it was a thing. It was a thing in Legends. The Inquisitors were not in legends it was vader himself hunting down jedi and the whole point of being on tatooine was the fact that vader would not go to tatooine he literally could not mentally set foot on the planet's surface so that's why it made sense Mm. to hide luke there was because vader would never actually go and he has to wait until obi-wan left the planet and was on the death star before he could confront him in canon with the inquisitors yeah one has to reason that there's no reason why he can't maybe he doesn't want to dispatch inquisitors to do it yeah because he wants to take out obi-wan personally maybe it's like a pride thing also i would be really interested if most of this cast list if they were all just randomly playing inquisitors that would be really interesting like that would just like blow my mind if they were had like all were playing like different roles like so you know simone was playing like the seventh sister and then you know sung king was playing like the eighth brother or what you know what i mean like they're all playing like random ass fucking you know inquisitor characters i think that would be fucking cool but all right, we need to move on because uh, we could talk about the Obi Wan. We could, we could, could, we could forever. speculate. Right, we could speculate forever. till the end of time. Most of these people are probably playing people we have never seen before. Right, just random uh, ass officers or something that don't even matter. Imperial officers or stormtroopers or some bullshit. Here's my final. Here's my final, final bizarre thought. theory. Yeah. 
So final bizarre theory. Uh, Hayden Christensen is playing a Darth Vader clone. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> All right, we're now we really now, go. Now we really now, need, now we brought in the clones. We need he's to, playing. Uh, he's playing Vader. <laughs> oh my god, I forgot. I that forgot you mentioned it. That fucking legends did that shit. Moving on. Okay, so uh, today we're going to take a look at the Mandalorian season one finale episode eight, oh, titled god, Redemption. Uh, thank God, uh, where the Mandalorian and his allies come to know their true enemy, who already knows too much about them. Uh, name Ominous. one thing about this episode you liked and one thing you did not. You would think that, that this being a question asked every single fucking week, that yeah. I would have an answer prepared, but I never do. Funny enough, I one always... Thing- write it down like i put like a blank for like and dislike and then by the end of all my notes and stuff i still don't have it written down and i'm the one who came up with the concept so it's really funny always always off the cuff always just i really liked the um i really liked the introduction of gideon Mm. i like gideon as a character Mm -hmm. i like the way he interacts uh the way he carries himself the whole performance yeah. by Giancarlo Esposito in this role like the mm-hmm. little I didn't note it in my notes but the touches he gives the little smirks the condescending yeah. kind of he's a good villain he's a great villain he's only in like this one episode in the back of season you know episode seven right but so good and so memorable right off the bat if this were the only season of the Mandalorian he would still be an incredibly memorable villain and he's never in it. Yeah. Uh, one thing I disliked, we will cover this as we go through the episode. There's some stuff in here that contradicts stuff that was said in episode three that bothered me. And there were some very stupid decisions that were made by characters throughout the episode that I thought were a little too stupid even for characters being stupid now i love characters being stupid because that's where the drama is but some of the things that especially the mando himself says and does in this episode i'm like really dude Mm -hmm. like really we'll get to what the big contradiction is and why it bothered me so much as we go through so what about you bradley likes and dislikes Okay, so my like, um, I don't want to say particularly the name because we're about to talk about it in like literally just a second, but the actor who plays the bike trooper uh, is, I think, probably one of the best parts about the whole entire episode is this whole next scene. The first scene of the whole thing is like one of the best. Um, so I'll just say I like the bike troopers. That's the, Everything about the bike troopers is the one thing I liked about the episode. Um, the one thing I disliked about the episode was the actual ending of the episode. I felt that the action and the climax of the episode was really good. And then a whole lot of nothing. They like stand it, around and explain, they explain how the season things. ends. Yeah, and, pretty much. And he wanders off. Yeah, it, it was the weakest ending, I think, of every any of the episodes that we've seen so far. It's almost as if they got somebody. Now, I know that this is not true, but it's almost like they got like 
one of the writing aides to like finish the episode for them they were like oh shit i gotta leave town in like 15 minutes can you just finish up the episode i'm sure you got it you're you do a good job normally so we'll just let you finish writing it and then they were like i don't know how to end the episode so i'm just gonna have Kara and grief just kind of explain away what they're gonna do uh, like as a wrap-up instead of showing you what they did let's just tell you what they're gonna do like see now if lucasfilm would hire me then when they need a writing aid to finish their season for them (laughs) right i could write something good well i mean it isn't good if it's a fine ending the episode it's just underwhelming it's my point is i live in la lucasfilm i'm right here you can hire me i will move to san francisco i will uproot move to san francisco just this whole podcast is just my giant job interview for exactly um well anyway let's get into it so uh last we saw the bike troopers uh had stolen baby yoda um and they basically they're pulling up to the edge of town and they want to i want to shout out the baby yoda puppet work again here Like the shot of him in the, the, in the thing bag. when he's being tr- like driven along. Yeah. So good. So expressive. Yeah. So God, I love that puppet so much. So this scene, I like I said, this is probably one of the best scenes I've ever even seen in Star Wars because I don't know if it's just the mix of comedic timing with like actual speeder bikes with mixed with like i don't know everything works so perfectly because i love speeder bikes i've loved speeder bikes ever since i saw return of the jedi um because i had the fucking speeder bike toy which i actually rebought like not even last year during the pandemic i was so bored i was buying star wars toys um and i bought a the same speeder bike toy can't relate at all i definitely have not purchased uh old star wars legos off of ebay right um, but I bought a speeder bike with a bike trooper because um, it's the same toy that I had. Uh, and that, this scene just brought that back to me because I was like, oh my God, this is so great. And then these guys, these, the two actors, the one is the same from the first time. This scene. Uh, Adam Polly, I think his name was. Yeah. This uh, scene for me is like right up there with, hi, I'm holding for general hugs uh, in terms of, I yes. watch it and I'm just every time I watch the scene, I'm like, I it's don't know. really similar. Yeah. It's just like, it's funny. It, it feels authentic to the world. It's well, different let, from what we are used to. It's just so good. Well, let's talk about who it is. So, the newest yes. uh, member of the Bike Trooper family is Jason Sudeikis. Yes. Um, the most which, hateable character <laughs> in the entire Star Wars franchise. He plays this in such a way that I find him hilarious. I want to know more about his character. And he's also an asshole. And it's hilarious. Now, here's the important question I'm going to ask you about Jason Sudeikis, Bradley. He was in a movie with Anne Hathaway, which is incidentally one of my favorite movies, called Colossal. Yes, it's actually one of the most interesting movies I've ever seen. Um, I'm going to shout out Colossal because as far as Jason Sudeikis' whole movie roster of movies, that's the one I want to make sure I shout out. That's the one you shout out? (laughs) Because the character he plays in Colossal is that same type of character. He's such a disgusting, hateable person, but he's also like, 
you can't help but laugh at some of the things he says and does but then when it's time to get scary like it gets really scary right colossal is good please watch colossal i agree it's a very good movie if you haven't seen i was actually just telling my friend about that movie the other day because godzilla versus king kong came out yesterday and we were watching it together and i I told him it it was okay um but i was telling him about the colossus movie i said if you want a godzilla type movie that's just more interesting like plot wise and story wise i was like that's the movie you gotta watch because it's like wild like it's a weird ass fucking story and you really need to see it because he loves kaiju movies right so i was like oh you would love this movie because it's one it's just a weird ass fucking movie but two it's anne hathaway and jason sudeikis like two people who are very high up also feeling you know the the beast from the new beauty and the beast is Mm -hmm. in it uh and also he was the lead in legion which was he was very good in. It's it's overall just a good. It's a good movie and it's a good example of like, does the right. plot make sense? No, no, because it's a metaphor. <laughs> right. It is a metaphor. I'm not going to go off on this. One day I will. I will do my own thing and talk about how good Colossal is and how it's a giant metaphor and how everything is great. But right. for now, we will come around to the scene with the blow raspberries and beatboxes. So yeah. let's start. Let's start with the first cardinal sin that jason sudeikis makes in all of the star wars world of anything he punches baby yoda in the head to yeah get- fuck that guy oh my god fuck that guy if they wanted they couldn't make anybody hate him more in this scene unless he murdered baby yoda like i don't even know how else he, they could make him less likable like it's so perfect killing killing han solo like a like an eight out of ten for Kylo Ren, um, right. punching Baby Yoda is like about a twelve. I like, thought that was so funny. <laughs> there's is is irredeemable. Uh, you yes. know, Palpatine's Palpatine's evil, but Palpatine wouldn't literally punch a baby. I mean, Palpatine probably would literally punch a baby. In fact, there are episodes of uh, <laughs> Star Wars: The Clone Wars that aptly demonstrate that Palpatine would punch a baby. But this guy is up there. This random right. scout trooper. And I love their conversation. So they're sitting there. They're such. They're like such doofuses because they're literally sitting there. And he's like, he's like, uh, they're talking about like, well, we should just probably wait, you know, until we get the red light to go in or whatever. And he's like, he's like, yeah, didn't you hear like what happened the other day? Like Gideon just like killed a guy for like interrupting him. Like what the fuck? Like you know what I mean? He's like, we we don't want. He's like, if you want to risk it, you can, but I'm not going to risk my life. It's a very so, natural like co-workers talking about yes. this boss kind of thing like it's so funny i and i get like like pa sitting at the like on guard duty for a set like on yes. duty sitting there like listening to the radio where all the interesting stuff is happening on set and like one or two pas is sitting like in the end like should we maybe should we maybe do something about this Mm-hmm. Nah. nah it's not not nah. we're not our pay grade like, no, no, you know, not our pay not grade getting, yeah we're not getting paid now and that's literally what he says basically he's like he's like what do you think he wants it for and he's like i don't know maybe he wants to eat it like who the fuck cares we're not getting paid enough to know what he wants this for <laughs> like, this is so funny but it also raises the question when he says that gideon killed somebody for interrupting him it raises the question of like how often does Gideon just randomly kill people? Because it paints Gideon in a different light when they're talking about him from so, this way. This is a weird thing that by the time of Empire Strikes Back, mm-hmm. Vader is just 
offing like officers left and right. Right. Like if you watch the the movie Empire Strikes Back, in that he kills Ozel, he kills Captain Nita, and then Piet is concerned that he's going to kill him at the end of the movie. Uh, but Vader is too distraught by his conversation with Luke to actually do it. So maybe this just became a thing. Mm. It's just like something that happens. Like people just like started like, like well, this is the way I solved my problem. Like I'm just going to kill yeah, somebody. I'm just going to shoot somebody. Like maybe maybe that created a sea change in the Imperial. Right. But also Gideon is kind of almost emulating Vader in a way with the cape True. and the dark armor. Well, end up being terrifying. I was gonna say maybe we uh, maybe we don't talk about it now because I don't think we find out about they call him an ISB officer, but I don't think that's mm-hmm. when do they when do they mention that? That's not till later. Later, right? later on. Okay, so let's talk about it then. Um, we'll we'll put a pen in that. We'll yeah, come back to him because I think that does that's relevant to the conversation because I think that does have something to do with it. Um, my favorite uh, second part favorite part of this scene is they're just sitting there. And they're like, well, we're bored. What do we do? We pull out our gun and try to shoot a fucking can on the side of the road, like, or whatever. Target practice. I did like, I, I watched these with subtitles. I did like one of the subtitles I mentioned earlier was blows raspberries and beatboxes. <laughs> I had that specifically noted as like, <laughs> of course he does. Oh my God. Yeah. This scene is again, comedic perfection. I don't know if it's just the timing and just the editing, like the way they do this, like, so you got Adam Pally's bike trooper. He shoots it. He obviously can't hit the damn thing. And then Jason Sudeikis looks at him. He's like, I could probably do that. He pulls out <laughs> his gun. I'm going to help. I'm going to do that too. And he also can't shoot it. And then Jason Sudeikis does one of the funniest things in all of Star Wars. He can't hit the target. He pulls up his gun and he shakes it to make sure it's working correctly. I fucking died when he did that. I thought that is the funniest shit in the world. I have seen this episode several times and it never, this scene never stops being absolutely hilarious. Like it's just level upon level. They do sit, they like, they make us hate them, but then they're also like relatable. Like you get the idea that these scout troopers are just like grunts hanging out because I don't know if you remember this, but in a new hope, the stormtroopers would actually like have conversations with each other. This is a thing that they would do is they yeah. would just, well, it reminds you standing me. on guard duty for 12 hours. You're going to be like, that scene plays into that of these dudes just kind of having to hang out and like kill time. Not a lot of time mind you because uh very quickly they are interrupted ig 11 shows up and i guess saves the day like i i mean i don't really know what else to say i mean he he gets baby yoda and then he just hops on a speeder bike and just whoop (laughs) and And we're title screen (laughs) we're back to we're back to the normal one of the strongest episode openings probably the strongest in the first season yes so I good i agree so good i mean i i think it's just because i think it's one it's the most powerful um just due to the fact that i think ig11 is such a strong character to begin with even though he's not even a human um i feel like he has so much 
he carries this episode. Um, and that's partly due to the fact that, you know, the director is IG-11. <laughs> um, but yes, uh, he does. I feel like he, he carries the plot through most of this on you know his shoulders must hurt because he's carrying the plot on his whole entire he's carrying between the directing and the acting you know he's carrying the whole episode on his back exactly so you know his uh processing motors must be you know broken by the end of the episode well Uh, well i mean technically yes they they are broken by the end of the episode (laughs) title screen redemption what does redemption mean here who's redeeming themselves well, redemption is a core theme of Star Wars. It is mm-hmm. making up for or, you know, turning away from a, a bad path. We see it, you know, it's a core theme throughout the entire franchise with Vader and Kylo right. Ren. Here, the redemption, the, the biggest being mm-hmm. the redemption of, you know, IG-11 to the Manda mando himself right but then mando also gets the bit of it you know throughout the episode where he's been running away from his identity so much and he's trying to like be something that he's not and by the end of the episode he kind of has to fully take on the mantle of the child's father and we even find out his name and a little bit more about him so I don't know if I'd call that a redemption per se, but mm-hmm. I would have to I would have to really think most of these, what does this title mean and how does it relate to the episodes are pretty easy. This yeah. one I would have This one's to, a little difficult. Yeah. This one's a little because like who's eh, redemption? Who's what is redemption? The, yeah. What are we who's redeeming redeemed, for? Right. What is this cardinal sin that to begin with is of the redemption? You know what I mean? Like I don't know whose it is. So it's it's very eh. Again, why I thought this should have been a part one and a part two exclusively like written as a part one and a part two, not a loose part one and part two. So, but we get to the next scene, uh, back to where we kind of left off in the last episode, which was Gideon taunting our heroes, basically. And we get a little bit of information here that is very interesting because, so Gideon proves to us that he's the actual villain of the show in this one scene purely from the fact that he has all the answers. Right. But before we get into the answers, I took several notes about the beginning of this scene because there was okay. something that was really cool, something that really pissed me off. This is the thing that pissed me off. Okay. So the thing that pissed me off, what that made my brain go, this was literally addressed in episode three. Do you remember in episode three where the John Favreau heavy trooper Mandalorian is like we're gonna have to or no the Mando is like we're gonna have to move the covert and the guy's like this is the way well in this episode Mando's like we need to get out through the sewers right because if we can find the Mandalorians we'll need them to escort and I'm like bitch they literally you you literally said you have to move the covert and they went oh I see what you mean and then uh, Mando forgot about this fact. I mean, yeah. we find out later that they didn't move the covert. Right. But, like they literally had this conversation in episode three mm. okay. about how they're going to have to move the covert now that they're exposed. And then one, Mando completely forgot about this. Two, they didn't move it. 
Well, we'll get well, we'll get to that once we get to the sewers. So that's in the yes. next scene, but let's that, we'll save it. But yeah, here, I know what you mean. I see what you're saying. I wanted to bring up the specific we gotta get down and see the Mandalorians because I'm like, you literally have this kind I see what you mean. Yeah. No, I yeah, that the, is weird. The e web bef- I want to point out the e-web repeating canon. Yes. This is the first, it's been called an e-web forever. Okay. This is the first on-screen designation of that being what its name is. It was on screen in Empire, but they never named it. And now they've named it on screen as the e-web, which is pretty cool. Also terrifying. Yes. And finally, before we jump into the the Gideon and the names, I do want to point out that you can kind of tell which stormtroopers are 501st stand-ins. Oh, interesting. And which are are the Disney props. I had the shot of Gideon, one of the shots of Gideon up on my computer monitor because when I watched the episode, I watched 10 minutes, went and took a nap and came back. And when I came back, I went, you know, I know in universe, some of these stormtroopers are local and some of them are Gideon brought them in from off planet. So right. it's kind of an explanation, but you can also tell the 501st are probably the ones with the really clean armor and the Disney props dirtied them and scuffed them up. Oh, I never even would have thought about that. I wouldn't have either if I hadn't been paused on that specific screen right. for two hours while I took a nap. Okay. Well, I guess that makes sense. But I like your theory that like, yeah, some of them are local stormtroopers. Some of them are not local stormtroopers, you know, just to kind of keep it something. But I want to point out, uh, so like you said, the 501st, so our favorite um, uh, cosplayer on Instagram. Yes. I looked it up. So he actually is in the 501st. So he is a part of it. Is he Uh, in this scene? I do not know. Um, but maybe one day we'll have him on the show and we can, I was going to say, I want to shout him out because we talk about him enough. So he's getting some free, uh, shout out right here. So his, his Instagram name is Jag J A I G underscore I underscore Hunter. So he actually is starting to do, um, Hunter cosplay because that is the, one of the new characters, the bad batch. So it's like the main clone leader of the bad Batch. like so like we're performatively thirsty on this show because he is very good looking but <laughs> yes really the reason i would say people should probably go follow him on instagram is just because the cosplays are so damn impressive his is his are just more impressive his are than that i've just gorgeous seen. yeah and he's he's posted like it's since i started following him since we recorded the pilot mm-hmm. he posted like video like instagram stories answering questions and like how he does these he does tiktoks on how so, he makes his stuff it's yeah. so fascinating like it's, it's really it's good so such good stuff he's just i mean i'm just very impressed with him but yes i just wanted to point out that he is in the 501st so that's just why we were talking about it the other day we we're like we're not sure if he is we're not sure if he is but he is so so he may or may not have been in this scene moving on from sexy cosplayers yes <laughs> um so gideon gives us a lot of information which i don't know how i feel about it because on the one hand i like that they're showing that gideon has had all this information for a while and he's just been kind of in the background plotting but i also don't like when a character gives us exposition and it's stuff that they should have been slowly feeding us throughout the season i feel like at least with his character I think what Mandalorian show should have done 
is every at the end of every episode they should have done a Gideon cutscene. They do in later seasons, right? But I feel like it would have benefited this season at least for his character, I guess, development to prove to us like why he knows. You know, for example, he says uh, we find out Cara Dune's full name, uh, which is Cara Cynthia Dune, which I thought was one a really fucking cool name. Um, but also, how the we fuck find does he out- know that? Yeah. We also find out that she is from Alderaan. Right. Which is Yikes. a very important plot point because uh, it's her motivation. That I mean, <laughs> explains everything. Explains we everything. Also, I remember during the first season, there was so much speculation of who is the Mandalorian? Who right. is he? They were doing what we were doing with the Obi-Wan Kenobi cast list right. earlier and speculating like, is the Mandalorian Ezra Bridger? Because fucking right. everybody. Edra Bridger, everybody does. Mandalorian, it. like Boba Fett, is he all this different stuff? Nope, he's some random guy. And Gideon just like drops his name mm-hmm. casually. Yep, he's like, "Oh, hi, Dinjarin." And we're like, as an and audience, like, we're kind of like, what? "Wait, what? Who's Dinjarin? What? Who's Dinjarin? And why was this treated as a as a random? Why was this like what?" Yeah. It's, like, who's it, this person? That's why I'm saying, like, it would have made more sense for them to show us him getting this information throughout the season and been like, look, he did his homework, you know, and he knows who the Mandalorian is. We don't. So, like, that would have been an interesting, like, kind of subplot that they were kind of like slowly introducing to us in the background to lead up to this episode. I think they should have done it that way, but I think if they, if they had included more of him or at least mentions of someone in the background mm-hmm. that would have made the reveal of who he is land a little bit more Yeah, because it really I think so. doesn't well, like it, yeah. it. I love him, but the reveal of, Oh, he's an ISB agent. Right. Who was responsible for the purge. That doesn't hit as hard right? as I feel like it should. Right, because what they should have done is been showing us that stuff throughout the season. That way they could be building him up. Because I feel like we were kind of cheated of Gideon this season because we only get him in this episode, really. I mean, we get him in the last one, but not really. You know, we only get his introduction. The stinger, he got right. it in, the, in the stinger. Right, but, and then in this one, you know, not to jump ahead too much, but he's barely like, you know, he's kind of taken out pretty quickly. Like, so it doesn't feel justified. I don't know. I, I feel like they kind of dropped the ball on that a little bit. Um, so he mentions as he's doing all these things, mm-hmm. he mentions the siege of Mandalore, right. which is a different siege of Mandalore. There have apparently been at least two sieges of Mandalore <laughs> Great. now. There's the Siege of Mandalore in the Clone Wars, and then apparently there's the Siege of Mandalore after Bo-Katan's rebellion in season four of Rebels. Right. uh, That ends with something called the Night of a Thousand Tears. Right. And something called the Purge. (laughs) We are getting some... uh, How many are there? Like, you know, it's very like... There are at least two Sieges of Mandalore, but you know, third time's the charm. Right. I mean, it's it's just very interesting that they keep they're, they're throwing a lot of Mandalorian back story here. You know, there's like a Google Doc or something that Dave Filoni and John Favreau has, but this is all written out. Yeah, and they were like, "Ooh, we got to mention the Night of a Thousand Tears because we got to 
make sure people know that that happened in Clone Wars or whatever, so that we can bring that it, up and then or Rebels. Well, it whatever, happened. Yeah. It happened like post Rebels. It's, yeah, I don't. Know. It gets confusing because there's so many sieges of Mandalore. Right. Um, like, how many times can Mandalore get sieged? I don't honestly know. And at plus, least two. I'm assuming they're also randomly talking about. I guess when the Empire takes over as well as one so it's kind of like who i don't know uh, let's let's move on it's just like it's too much um <laughs> who even has time to siege mandalore that exactly much? and what's so important about mandalore anyway um so one of the things that kara says is randomly she goes they can't capture me you know they'll they'll use a mind flare on me basic she says something to the to, to the gist of that right and there's two kind of things here. One, Mind Flayer is a Dungeons and Dragons reference. So that was how do how did you bring that up on the show, but not me? <laughs> well, I really only said that it was a Dungeons and Dragons reference because obviously I've seen Stranger Things, and the Mind Flayer is one of the main villains of uh, Stranger Things. But the oh, there mind, we go. There it is. But the mind flare i think what i was when she said that i was thinking she was talking about the um Borg gullet Borg gullet from i had the one. same thought initially when i watched the episode and she mentioned the mind flare went Borg gullet so i'm thinking Borg maybe gullet? that mind flare is just like a nickname for a Borg gullet like it's well, just one said, of the many nicknames but. she said they'll upload her to the mind flare oh interesting but then grief cargo says oh that's just wartime propaganda right so maybe, you know, that's maybe not it doesn't real. have anything to do with it. Yeah, maybe it doesn't have anything to do with the Borgullet. I don't know. But I thought that would be funny if they actually still used them. If they exist. If they exist at this point. Like, I don't know. It sounds it from the, the way it is described in the episode, mm-hmm. it sounds like, like they, they upload your consciousness. Okay to something or that sounds a little too star trek for me so like maybe they not. upload your consciousness yeah. and like mess with your brain uh, according to wikipedia it is an entity that was supposedly utilized by the galactic empire but there's there's no actual there's not even a thing in legends looks like gotcha okay well let's that, move on because i i don't i mean it's just like a fun little mention but if it's not the borgullet then i don't want it it's not the Borgullet. <laughs> it's not the Borgullet. It's not the horrible tentacle monster. Right. Or the horrible tentacle monster from Stranger Things. Although uh, I do think Star Wars needs more horrible tentacle monsters. Yeah. Well, they have enough. Um, so we get some more Mandalorian flashback slash background because they mention the fact that Mandalorian is not a race. It's a creed which is very important to one Mandalore or man, the Mandalorian's character arc, because, you know, the whole thing is that he keeps, you know, following these rules of being a Mandalorian. Right. And then grief Karga is kind of us because he's, he's like us. And he thinks, Oh, if you're from Mandalore, you are a Mandalorian. Mandalorian. Right. If you were born there, it's kind of like, if you're from Alderaan, you're an Alderanian. Like you're just a person who lived there, who was born there. Yeah, and in, in it goes it goes back to legends a bit, uh, because in 
Legends, Mandalorian was more of a creed that they had people who would actively choose to join it right. from all over and you could be a Mandalorian you know, regardless. Here's what I want to know about this scene. I want to know why Death Watch is fighting the Separatists. Yeah, so let's, yeah, let's get into just the, like, the flashbacks. So we finally get, like, the full flashback of, yes. of Mando's kind of childhood. Um, you're right. It is a weird, it brings up weird questions. So obviously this is taking place during the Clone Wars because we see the battle droids again, um, and they're attacking some, I don't know, village of Mando's, wherever he was born, um, his home world. And... So this is if this is taking place during Clone Wars, there the Separatists are attacking this village. Why, yeah, why is Death Watch the ones that save this village? Why is it not the Republic? Or why is it not the Jedi? Or why is it not, you that, know? That I had questions about because I thought, I mean, first of all, it in order for Death Watch to be involved, yeah. Is the Death Watch are kind of their whole thing is they want to restore like the warrior creed to Mandalore. Right. They thought Satine had gone soft and that she was betraying the Mandalorian ideals. But, you know, maybe they're fighting just to fight, but that being the case, why are they bothering Saving to rescue people? people? Yeah. Maybe it's an insidious thing. Like they see an opportunity to recruit for their cult. I don't know. It was so weird because... I, yeah, may, or maybe like they just happened to be flying by. I don't know. And they were just like, well, I guess we can try to help these people. And then when they did, they were like, oh, here's an orphan. Let's just steal him. <laughs> no, I mean, he's lying around. Right. Nobody else is using him. Right. Why not? Uh, it's just weird, but it's, it's also kind of interesting. I like the flashback because it shows that young Din Djarin or whatever, he sees this Death Watch character and he's like, he's like inspired or he's like, you know, he kind of like looks at him like, Oh, he saved me. Like, I want to be like him kind of thing. It's very interesting. Just character wise. No, it definitely is like interesting to think about because I, I really, I really do want maybe like, I need to look into like the novelization mm -hmm. of the first season. I need to look into like the visual dictionary and things because it might be explained somewhere. But I, I don't know. That was a question that I had. I was like, why is Death Watch fighting yeah. Separatists? Well, I mean, maybe they'll explain it later. Maybe not. I don't know. But um, it's just a weird, interesting little thing. Oh, fun fact, uh, trivia, bit of trivia. The uh, actor who plays the Death Watch um, Mando, who saves young Din Djarin, is the other body double for the Mandalorian. So meta-wise... It is future Mandalorian saving himself uh, <laughs> as another Mandalorian. That is an interesting. Very meta. That is an interesting trivia. Yeah, most most of what's in this scene we've already covered in previous episodes. Right. Yeah, recaps. we don't really need to keep going too much. But into it. I just that, that was a thought that I had now that it's revealed in this episode that it right. is in fact Death Watch. They don't yeah. say it, but it's it's very clear from the armor that they are in mm -hmm. fact death watch and we will find out in later seasons uh why right. it's interesting that that's death watch 
So after this kind of scene is over and they've kind of explained why Mandalo or like man the Mando is not actually a Mandalorian, um, we get the IG eleven, probably the coolest scene that ever existed in Star Wars in other terms. So whereas the the bike trooper scene in the beginning was just one of the best scenes in just terms of hilariousness and comedy. This is probably one of the best action sequences I've ever seen in Star Wars. Just because it's cool. Grief Karga's reaction to all this going on is as IG-11 blasts in and like yes. the shooting starts. It's like, hang on, let me take a shot real quick. Yeah, that's what as I wrote that down. I said there's he takes... Blotchka, he takes Blotchka right here. I mean, like... He's the only me, one who has just, any sense. Let me just real quick here. Uh, there, there we go. Well, it's funny because if you think about it, he's like, we're probably going to die, so I'm going to just start drinking, right? And then IG-11 kind of comes in and he's like, oh shit, I got to take another shot before I possibly die oh, again. Oh man, like, we're all not, maybe not going to die. Maybe, I, <laughs> shit, I got to start drinking again. But what's even funnier about this scene is when IG-11 is straight up murdering all these stormtroopers, the baby is laughing and they play the a little loves it. they play a little laugh thing and it's hilarious because the baby's like ha, ha, like laughing that IG-11 is murdering all these people it's so funny I liked the bit where uh, the Jawa they're harassing the Jawa and yes. IG-11 just like blows by and shoots them right and the Jawa's just kind of like oh okay oh, like cool <laughs> again Jawa's on this planet and they're the only other people on this planet right now which is very interesting uh i noticed that when so ig11 kind of comes in he kind of distracts the rest of the stormtroopers essentially they all start kind of restarting the shootout and i noticed that when mando goes after the the death troopers or the dark troopers or whatever they are um they're much tougher than just a standard stormtrooper, which I'm glad that they like they didn't go down so easily. You know how sometimes you can do like, I like how regular stormtroopers are kind of cannon fodder, where these guys are supposed to be, you know, essentially the Navy SEALs of the stormtroopers, and so they do not go down without a fight. Like they're very much more harder to kind of take down. There is a trope called the conservation of ninjutsu, I believe. Okay. Where the idea is that if you have one ninja, it is terrifying. But if you have 20 ninjas, they are cannon fodder. Right. And it kind of, I worried that this would, you know, when they initially brought out all these stormtroopers in episode seven and I first watched it, I worried like, oh, the more stormtroopers they have, the more they're going to kind of be cannon fodder but it actually it is a challenge not only is it a challenge to fight them all but you know ultimately they end up losing the fight and having to retreat back in right yeah it's it's really interesting too because i like gideon in the scene too um because he's kind of taking everything in as it's happening so like he's noticing that like okay this is not going the way i wanted it to go and he sees the Mandalorian kind of approaching him, right? And he doesn't really have a lot of defense. And instead of trying to shoot Mando, he blows up the container, whatever, near Mando. The E-Web battery. Right. Gideon, to kind of Gideon, save himself. 
Gideon is a tactical thinker and yeah. that's what makes him such an engaging villain because right. even in the short time we can see that he is a very tactical thinker. Yeah, he always thinks ahead. Yeah. It. it was just, so I don't he, know, I thought it was really interesting. He blows up the thing, they have to retreat in, now right. with the child. This seems like very irresponsible child care. Yes. Um, I, I do not recommend that parents bring their children into active shootouts <laughs> in war zones. Yes. Uh, traditionally, this is a bad parenting tactic. Uh, of course, I as a, a, you know, gay man with no children right. may not be in the best position to give parental advice. But in this case, I feel confident in saying, do not bring your child into an active shootout. Well, it kind of goes against IG-11's prime directive, right? Because he said that his directive is in this, I mean, he even says it in the scene. He, he's like, if you touch this child, I will kill you, Right when he puts it down, he tells that to grief card. He's like, if you hurt the child or you touch the child, I'm going to kill you. Right. But would not bringing the child to this place go against your prime directive? Like would, wouldn't he, if no, he really was trying to protect the baby, he should be getting on the ship and just flying away. <laughs> the child will not be safe until Gideon is dead. Yeah. But why would you bring the child to the place where the child, yeah, I don't know. It is very there's like, no one to watch him on the ship anymore. <laughs> now that Quill died, I guess. I don't know. Um, so we actually, we kind of skipped over this, but when Gideon blows up the, the battery, you know, Mando kind of goes flying and hits his head. Um, so that's important moving forward um, because they, you know, they're kind of stuck in this room Mando's kind of, we figure out that Mando is bleeding out essentially um, on the back of his head. He's got a, a fairly traumatic head wound. Right. Um, and they're like, we got to go um, because Gideon gives the command to, quote, burn them out. How do you feel this about is, the flame this trooper? Is yet another reference. Okay. This is yet another one. The Flame Trooper is, to my understanding, a reference to The Force Unleashed, which is a series of two video games from Lucas Lucas Games, mm -hmm. uh, Lucas Arts Games, that everyone loves and I despise. <laughs> Why is that? That was really funny. Oh, honey, we do not have the time on this episode for me to go into <laughs> all the reasons I despise The Force Unleashed. I I hate this game series. Oh, I don't oh, I, I don't I mean, like, hate a lot of Star Wars media, even the yeah. media I don't like, but I actively hate The Force Unleashed so much. Gotcha. But we don't have time to go into that. That's what this is from. The Flame, oh, okay. Flame Trooper is a reference to that. Well, I kind of liked him actually. I thought it was a fun kind of I like, thought it I was love, fun. I love See, specialty ones. That's how you use a flamethrower. Gotcha. Well, I, I, thought, I was going to say, I was, I was going to mention the fact that instead of having it like randomly on your wrist where it never works, like this guy has like a tank with fuel and he's got a gun to focus the fire and he knows where he wants the fire to go. And so he kind of walks in there and he's like ready to go. He's like, I'm going to burn the fuck out of these people. Like, Mandalorians take notes. This is how you use a flamethrower. <laughs> this is how it works. Take notes. Do better. Um, I'm wondering if, so in this scene, did you see this coming? This whole, 
the flame trooper is showing up there, you know, they're kind of shit out of luck. And then he's walking in there and he's about to burn them all down and he blasts them with the fire. And then the child I... kind of steps up. Okay. So, so that, you know, I could generally see that they're going to be able to solve a problem like this. Yeah. I knew that the flame trooper was going to be in it because at the time that these were coming out, I was watching them. This was back in the ancient days when I had 45 minutes for my lunch break. Now I only have 30, mm-hmm. but at the di- at, at the time these were coming out, I had 45 minutes for my lunch break. So I could watch these over my lunch break, but in the morning before my lunch break, I had actually, um, I had, I had seen on Twitter that the flame trooper was going to be in it. I, mm. I didn't expect baby Yoda was going to use the force to solve it, but right. You know, one when they did the shot of him, I'm like, oh, he's gonna use the force, isn't he? And then he did, surprising yeah. no one. I didn't I didn't hate it, but I kind of felt like, well, that's kind of a cheap, you know, problem solving tactic. Like it's kind of like it's almost like why even bother putting the flame trooper in there when they could have just been like, okay, let's retreat and then go into the sewer. Like you didn't have to have the whole let's show baby Yoda using the force, protecting them from the fire. Because what problem does that solve other than to show Baby Yoda murdering the flame trooper? I think Baby Yoda might have a higher body count in this than. Should we be like, keeping note? Like, should we be keeping track of how many times Baby Yoda literally already, causes the direct death of somebody? <laughs> we're already keeping a, a Dank Ferret count, which has been sitting at one for this entire season. Like, yeah. I thought Dank Ferret was going to be a thing in this season. Maybe it's the next season. But I'm shocked. I think it's the next season. But okay. The Dank Ferret count has been sitting at one the entire season. Gotcha. So no, maybe it, the, that is the second season. It's the Ezra Bridger death count. Whenever we eventually get yes. around. And we were in the pre-meeting talking about how we might potentially want to do Rebels. But when we do finally do Rebels, uh, we do want to keep an Ezra Bridger desk count yes, of how much this I definitely want to do that. is murders murdering Stormtrooper. Yes, because he murders people all the time. And almost every episode, he literally blows up TIE fighters like every other episode. And it's like, you just killed that person. There's no escape pod in a TIE fighter. Okay, so every time he blasts them in the little white pellets or whatever they are, whenever they show that animation on Disney Channel, it's like, no, those people die. (laughs) Just because it's not a fiery explosion doesn't mean they didn't die. So whatever. Anyway, the child murders this flame trooper in, ironically, fire. (laughs) I would say in cold blood, but it's a little more boiling hot blood. You'd think that a a flame trooper's uh, armor would be fireproof. No matter how intense the heat, that. you would think that, but no, maybe the armor is flame proof, but the joints aren't. I don't know. It's stupid. Like it's like underpinning. he should be fireproof, but whatever. Whatever um, he sets, he sets the he sets the guy on fire, and right. Mando's like, Mando makes one of the stupid decisions that he makes, where it's like, uh, go and leave me, leave and me, let me die my warrior's death, and I'm like. Come on. How man. is that a warrior's like, death? He just like like you know what I mean? Yeah, like, literally stuff. like two seconds after they leave, he's like, okay, IG, just fucking shoot me. Yeah, so that doesn't make any sense. Cause like he goes, No, 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 let me die. You guys go. They go. And then he goes, Okay, IG, you know what? I'd rather you kill me than those imps. There's two things there. One, um, I 
I when he said that, I didn't know what he meant by that. I thought he just like that was just like a derogatory term for stormtroopers. It but, is. But imp is Imperial also an acronym. Battle. Imp is an acronym for Imperial Military uh, Personnel. I did not know that, and I've I know. been reading it was, them referred was, to as imps. Yeah, it was in the it was in the trivia. Twenty years. <laughs> Twenty years. I have been reading them referred to as imps, and I did not know it was an acronym. I just assumed it was always short for Imperial. I thought it was a derogatory, just kind of like a oh, those are the imps, like you know, like it's kind of like a those are the assholes. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Like I'm used to hearing it in the context of Star Wars: The Old Republic. Gotcha. So because the two factions, you know, the the Republic and the Sith Empire, you know, you have imps and pubs. Gotcha. Is the the abbreviated version. Well, there you go. Uh, now you know. That's how general chat in Star Wars: The Old Republic will refer to the other side as imps and pubs. Uh, but I don't advise that anyone ever turn on general chat in Star Wars The Old Republic. Uh, just as a word of warning, if you play it, turn general chat off. You'll be much happier. There's only two things happen in the rest of the scene is that I wrote down was that um, so IG makes the point. He's like, I, he's like, I can save you right he's like let me take off your helmet and then mando's like don't do that i'll kill you right he's like but if i don't take off your helmet you're going to die i need to heal you somehow and then he goes no living thing has ever seen me without my helmet on which is a lie by the way because his parents saw him as a child and then uh, the death watch people saw him as a child and since he put the helmet on no right. living thing has seen him <laughs> right but then IG makes a great point and he says, well, I'm not a living thing, so it's okay. And then proceeds to take off his They're helmet. They're just straight Eowyn, uh, I am no man, rules lawyered this. I just thought it was funny because, well, one, this is the first time we actually see Pedro Pascal's fucking face in the whole entire show. Surprise! The right. actor playing uh, the Mandalorian is the actor playing the Mandalorian. Right. I know, isn't that weird? Like, for all we could have known, right? He never was in the suit at any point in time. We don't know. Like, I mean, we know because they they quote said it, and there's pictures on set of him. You know, kind of. Yeah, we know he was in the suit for you know. At right. Least a good but of it. from an audience standpoint, if you don't watch behind the scenes stuff or anything, like for all we know, he was never. It could have been suit. anybody. It could have been literally anybody. It could have been a woman the whole time. We don't know. Like you know, it just whatever. It's true. It's true. They, it was. It was Captain Phasma. It was Captain Phasma the whole time. It was Captain um, Phasma the whole time. The other thing I noted is that he, IG Eleven has Bacta spray inside of his body. <laughs> Probably was put in there by. Well, I don't know. Because I don't know, right? I mean, I'm Bacta assuming. I'm assuming Quill did it. Right, because he's a nursing droid now, so he kind of maybe gave him that. Maybe it's meant to, like, the spray deployer is meant to be like a poison spray, poison sprayer, a gas sprayer, <laughs> or something, and they just put back to in it. Yeah. Either way, so the scene, the scene is interesting because the scene goes from so dramatic and mm -hmm. emotional, right, to the minute he gets his helmet off, like this upbeat music starts playing and pedro pascal is just kind of sitting there like what what's going on and yeah. ig's trying to crack jokes and it goes from serious to funny like that yeah i i forget what the joke was 
You he, have sustained some damage to your oh, central processes. Yeah, that's right. You mean my brain? <laughs> I was attempting to make a joke. Yeah, and I was like, "Ha ha?" Question mark. Like that was funny, I guess. Like I don't know. It was more of like he was just comparing a brain to a central processing unit. Like he thought that was funny. I don't know. It was just a good shows the humor of droids and the lack thereof. Right. Obviously, this whole I'm going to sacrifice myself lasts less than three seconds because Mando is catches up to them and they're back in the sewers. They wander around for wandering around several minutes. minutes. Right. Which was a waste of time. I mean, I get that it's a maze, but theoretically, Mando has been down here already before, so he should know where everything He does address is. this. He says he only ever entered the covert from the bazaar. So he only ever entered it one way and he's never entered it in the other way and he's not that familiar with the sewers yeah but it's like if you were all hiding down there why would you not familiarize yourself with every exit and entrance you know if you're well, hiding here's the question how long were they hiding down there were they have they That's been true. on navarro since he was a foundling or is this something that you know came up later or maybe they had just just gotten there at the beginning of the series like it's just kind of like a fresh it's possible yeah. maybe they moved there because so he could have proximity to the bounty hunters guild right um so we see a pile of mandalorian armor implying they're all implying dead. they're dead they they didn't move the covert after they said right they were gonna move the covert and then they don't and then they all die so i had two theories about this um my first theory was that no, there's just a bunch of naked Mandalorians running around. <laughs> like, clearly, they just took off all their armor and they were just like, they're in hiding by not being in hiding, if that makes it's, sense. It's the, it's the joke that Mark Hamill did about, no, Luke didn't die at the end of The Last Jedi. He just teleported to the planet of the nudists. Yeah, exactly. No, but it's like the same idea. Like, maybe they just took it off to kind of protect themselves. Like, even though their creed or whatever says that you can't take off your helmet, it was like, no, we need to protect ourselves. Therefore, like the only way to do that is to leave behind the thing that identifies us, essentially. I don't know if that's true or they could have all just died. But the I implication think, is they all yeah, died. Right. The implication is that they all died. And then, you know, the armor is still there though. Right. So she's back. The armor is wandering around. She says some stuff in this scene that I'm right. like, I have to wonder, because it sort of explains a little bit why Den is the way he is. If mm -hmm. this is the woman who's been, like, I don't want to say brainwashing him, but, like, programming no. him to an extent. She says yeah. things, and I'm like, oh, that's where it comes from. Well, it also, she kind of, like, when she talks about all the stuff that she knows about, like, again, leads me to believe that she's the leader of the group, or, like, at least the most senior member of the she's group. She's the cult leader. Right. So... Or, or she is very high up in command to the point where they all listen to her. Like they, you know, they or they respect her enough to follow her rules or something. I don't know. It's very interesting that she's like, well, I hope that some of them may have escaped. She doesn't know, but she's like, but I think they might have. Like they've probably escaped. She, the way she speaks with the certain same certainty as, as Den does. Yeah. It just, there was points where I looked at the scene and I went, I can see how Den wound up the way he is somebody is right. impressionable you know as a kid and then clearly he mm -hmm. believed very strongly and wanted to be very strongly part of this you know mandalorian right creed that 
yeah, obviously when you get somebody with this level of commitment and this level of like believing that everything they say is 100% correct, of course, somebody who's more impressionable is going to follow it. And then also she reveals that she knows a lot, right? Because at this point in time, you know, we've kind of seen certain people, whenever you mention Jedi or something about the Jedi, they kind of either know everything about the Jedi or they've never heard of them and they have no idea what you're talking about. There is a wonderful scene in Star Wars Rebels where it's at the end of the first season, Tarkin arrives on Lothal mm-hmm. and he basically, he mentions the Jedi and he basically asks Minister Tua, have you ever actually met a Jedi? Right. And her response is, well, you know, no, but we've, we've heard about them. And he says, I actually knew them. And when they were asked about that, I believe it was in an episode of Rebels Recon, uh, which was a fantastic tie-in show that they did to Star Wars Rebels. I believe they asked about it or they asked about it on Twitter and the response was, you got to remember, there's only a couple hundred Jedi operating at this point. Right. The most people in the galaxy are never going to have heard of or they've heard of, but they've never met or seen an actual Jedi Knight. Right. So, like, that's why Tarkin's able to come in and say, you know, I've actually met them, whereas Minister Tua in Rebels has never met a Jedi. None has, none have ever come to Lothal right. up until, you know, rebels and Kanan is there. None of them have ever come to Lothal, at least that she knows of, you know, it's like having, you know, a hundred, couple hundred people have been in the star Wars movies. I've never met somebody who's been in the star Wars movies. Right. But you're also the people that you've met that have been in not or not met that's been Star Wars movies aren't from an ancient race of a religious cult of laser sword wielding that is true know, Buddhists. So but it's that it's that whole idea of the way they talk about the Jedi in this scene and she's like, yeah. I've heard about I've heard of Jedi. I've heard of Jedi as an ancient force wielding beings. Right. So and she knows like, about them. Like but she but she only knows enough about them to be like, oh well this Thing, this child it ha- must be one of them so she doesn't she might not know enough to know that like there are all different types of people i don't know like it's weird that she's like instantly like okay well obviously this little fucking frog is a jedi so you need to take him back to his people and it's like what where did you how did you come to that conclusion that he's a jedi like i I suspect we will learn more about the armor as the series progresses. I hope we do. Um, because one, I think she's one of my favorite parts about the show, at least in this season. Um, Cause I thought she was just an interesting character and I wanted more from her. So let's, I was going to say, let's cut to the end of this because she, she gives him his signet. Finally. Um, she makes him a little mud horn signet because she feels like he earned it or he feels like he earned it, I guess. So he, well, she decided it. that he earned it. Right. He also tries to stay behind and sacrifice himself again. And <laughs> she's like, no, you have a kid now. She explicitly says you are as its father. She also gives him a jetpack, So it is jetpack time. Okay. So we need to talk about the jetpack for like one second, because she says something very important. That's going to come up later that, 
frustrated me about this episode. She gives him the jetpack and she says, you need to begin your training for the jetpack and it won't work until you finish your training. It's not going to follow your commands is what she says. I don't want to jump ahead, but later in the episode, Mando skillfully uses the jetpack with no effort whatsoever. And I'm talking well, he about- sort of blasts up and then slows his descent and that's yes. the extent of his use with the jetpack. Until the very end of the episode. And he yes. literally flies away into the distance perfectly and it just like works like randomly. I don't know. I, that bothered me. I know we're not really supposed to be talking about it right now, but that just bothered me that that happened because I was like, why would she say that? Because it sounded like she was setting up something, right? This won't work for you unless you train with it. And so maybe I was thinking like, oh, he's going to ignore her, try to use it, and it won't work properly. Or he'll get into some kind of situation where he needs it and it won't work. And it's like, oh, well, it'll be the flamethrower all over again. Exactly. Uh, But they just kind of said, fuck that. So they all leave and the armorer just kind of stays behind for no fucking reason other than to melt down all the fucking other armor. Um, and then she sits there and she's like waiting for the troopers and she's just like, I'm just going to sit here in a sacrificial pose with my arms crossed and my, my tools. Um, but she fucking murders these fucking stormtroopers. She just like absolutely like destroys them. Uh, and she literally melts one alive. <laughs> she melts one alive. She's like breaking the armor and just oh, like, such a good scene. Oh. God, that looks so painful. After the armor uh, beats the absolute shit out of a bunch of stormtroopers, we move on to the lava boat yes. to try to escape. Uh, Kara, apparently, this is the moment where I went, uh, you cannot shoot all of your problems, Kara. <laughs> oh, apparently this she is, can. This is her answer to all of her problems. It's her, then- it's her automatic weapon. Is, so uh, she she shoots so the she shoots the boat loose, and that was the point I went. I written down in my notes: you can't shoot all your problems, Kara. <laughs> and then a few minutes later, she shoots the the droid. Yes. And I have written in all caps: Kara, stop. <laughs> like, doing stop this. shooting all the things. Yeah, uh, I thought it was really weird too because the R two D two droid basically just has arms and legs. I was like, what a weird design for a boat fairy droid, but. Okay. It clearly was like cobbled together by someone. Yeah. The boat. It was really weird. Like I like spare it. Spare parts. Maybe the Jawas. Maybe the Jawas did it. Maybe <laughs> it's secretly a Jawa uh, way in and out of the city. This droid is actually a reference. Yeah, of course it, was, it is. It was an unused design for a farm droid that was supposed to be used in Rogue One in the beginning uh, at the Urso homestead. Um, it was supposed to be some kind of farming droid, which I thought was interesting because it was very similar to uh, the shrimp picking droids. Would they have long legs as well? Droids are basically like mobile phones in this universe. Everybody has one. Some of them are very sleek and nice, and some of them are like clawed together and held together with tape. And then there's some people who are like still using a Nokia flip phone in 2021. So IG-11 talks about the fact that the only way that he can save the baby is by self-destructing himself. Because like they're trying to jump through these hoops of, well, my manufacturer's uh, 
code says that I can't be captured, but I've been reprogrammed so I can be captured, but then I have to destroy myself to destroy the baby, but I also have to destroy myself because I can't be captured because I can't, like, I was like, what? They were jumping through so many hoops to try to explain the fact that the only way he can save them is by blowing himself up. It is, it is a lot, it is a lot of back and forth to basically say, I am going to sacrifice myself now. Of course, a lot of what this episode is about is it's about like the nature of being a droid and like how they're different than yeah. people. Well, I guess this also kind of ties into the whole redemption thing, right? Because like his whole thing in the beginning was that he was going to kill baby Yoda in the first episode. And now his quote unquote redemption is him saving baby Yoda in the end. I don't know. I do, I, I do love how uh, Dan uh, symbolically hands IG the jetpack and then IG hands it back five minutes later <laughs> and says, I could no longer carry this for you. You must use it. It's been five minutes. Five whole minutes. I it's been know. five whole minutes. Uh, also, Mando, like after he gets saved by IG-11, he gets over his droid thing real fast. Yeah, he's kind of like... I, but to be fair, though, it could just be the head injury. He did take, he did suffer damage to his central processing unit. Right. So I, I actually do think that does have something to do with it. I think he is kind of like, he's a little too quick to trust him because he's like, well, he did just save me. So it's kind of like, well, all right, I trust him now. Um, but IG-11 just straight up steps in the lava and just starts walking towards the entrance. And I was like, okay, this is a pretty cool scene. It's very dramatic. I did like how it was a callback to the very first episode. Mm-hmm. Like they bring up the self-detonation in the first episode. And yes. then in the eighth episode, the self-detonation is how they managed to escape the stormtroopers. Right. So I, I do did like, like that it sort of completed the character arc that he's going to blow himself up for stupid reasons in episode one. Right. And in episode eight, he finally does blow himself up, but they are for noble reasons. What I did not like though, was that, he blows himself up and yay, he blows himself up. We're saved. And then they literally step outside and they're like, Oh, here comes a tie fighter to murder us. So he blew himself up for nothing. Like I was like, what? Well, Moff Gideon always has like another plan, right? He always has another layer to his scheme. And these guys are not particularly bright people. And I love Carl Weathers. Oh my God. Do the magic hand. (laughs) Maybe the baby should do the the magic hand thing. Do the magic hand thing. Well, I'm out of ideas. And then he's like, well, if that doesn't work, I guess I'll just use my jetpack. Like, I knew that was going to happen, honestly. That's the only reason why they gave him the jetpack was like, oh, you have to use it this episode because why else the fuck would they give him this jetpack? They should have given them the jetpack in episode three. Yeah. Had and him carry he, the jetpack around, right. had him be bad at using it. Until then, this episode. And then finally he's able to use the jetpack. Instead, they're trying to cram yes. the whole jetpack thing into Even this Less one. than 30 seconds. The jetpack should have replaced the flamethrower. I agree. What should have happened. He so should have been trying to use it. flamethrower yeah. that is occasionally terrible, he should be using the, the jetpack, trying to use the jetpack, keeps fucking up, and then the end of it, in order to save Baby Yoda, he finally uses the jetpack. Again, this whole scene, he uses the jetpack, he flies up, he's on the TIE fighter for like not even a whole 30 seconds. He finally manages to blow up the wing or part of the wing off, um, which actually is also a callback 
or not a callback, but a, a reference, a reference to the Kenner toys. Yep. With the, uh, with the detachable wings. Right. Which, because he blows it up in the exact spot where you would have pressed a button to detach it. That's apparently what I read on the trivia. I didn't have the toy, so I don't know. But I also did not have the toy, but I was aware of the toy's existence. Okay. Well, apparently he blows it up on the exact spot where the button is to release the wings. So That's cute. That's a fun little nod. But again, I felt like the action seems to end too quickly here because the TIE fighter crashes, right? And then Mando just casually flies down, perfectly able to use his jetpack back to Kara and um, Grief. And he's just kind of like, well, <sighs> that's that's that. I like how the lighting changes. So yeah, it's, it's already daytime. daylighting. Yeah. <laughs> it's flat daylighting most of it. And like by the time he lands, it's like sunset. And he's, <laughs> he's going to ride off into the sunset with the baby because this is a Western. This is how they end. And I don't like, again, one of the things I did not like was this whole dialogue sequence right here where Grief and Kara are basically saying what they should have shown was them doing these things. But they go, well, now that all the Imperials are gone, what? There was only six left in all of the whole town that was at the entrance of that cave? How do you know they're all gone? And he's like, well, if, they, if they're not gone, I'll get my new enforcer here that I'm going to hire to get rid of the rest of them what like they're just explaining away everything then when they should have like done like a little montage of that stuff maybe made it a little more actiony to like okay we're gonna go in and do this and mando you go and take the kid and right. even leave it a little ambiguous whether or not they're going to succeed because it ends on such like this upbeat note of oh no we're definitely going to take the town back because all the imperials are gone even though spoiler season two we do find out that there are still imperials on the planet because guess right. what it's a whole fucking planet. Yeah. And then it cuts to what is the actual montage, essentially. And it's Mando burying Quill. Which um, he, could, he couldn't have taken him back to, like, his home and buried him there. Yeah, I thought that was weird. It was like, like you're just going to... Why gonna, did he bury him on Navarro? Take, take him back Take home. him back to his house and bury, bury him in his him house. There. Yeah. Bury him at his homestead. Or burn his body at his homestead or something, like... It was weird. It was like, okay, whatever. I'll give that one, I guess, a pass. And then Baby Yoda still has a necklace. So he gives the necklace to Kara early in the Earlier episode. in the episode, right. He gives her the necklace and says, show this necklace to the covert. Tell, him, tell them the child is a foundling. Right. They will help you. And then later, Baby Yoda pulls out the necklace and it's the same necklace. Yeah. That he's that she I guess put around the baby's neck, and the baby has been wearing the whole time. And he's like, "You keep it, right? It suits you." I like how he just like puts it in his mouth, and he's just like, "All right, this is a good toy." To <laughs> he is on. a baby. We, we well, the episode's basically over, and then we get our fun little Marvel cutscene at the end. Now, uh, I do want to say, yes. as far as the opening of this scene, that the devil just, moves quick. Yeah, I was just about to say. move quicker. <laughs> Because those things are on this TIE fighter. The TIE fighter is still smoking. And it literally had not even landed. I don't even know how much time they're saying has passed. But these Jawas have come to collect this TIE fighter in less than like 30 seconds. After. Jawas, Jawas are the Chris Jenner of the Star Wars universe. So fucking there funny. is a moment to exploit 
for money, right. they are there. Um, so you're you're a nerd. I, <laughs> I did I yes. did not when I saw this when I first started seeing the dark saber kind of coming out of the tie fighter. I didn't know what it was at first. I didn't quite grasp like at what point did you know that that's what it was like where you're like oh shit i know what that is okay so first of all <laughs> you're a nerd that's hilarious <laughs> yes thank you that's literally on my tinder profile actually right. uh that's the grinder tribe that i usually pick fun fact about me if you were looking for me on grinder yeah that's the tribe that i generally pick. So if you filter my nerd you'll probably see me uh but no, I realized it about a few seconds into it. Yeah. So at first I went, because when I first watched the episode, I watched it on my phone. Oh, okay. I was in the break room. Again, remember the last couple episodes I watched on lunch break at work. So it was on my phone, so I didn't really get a good look at it. I thought I was like, what? Has he got like a cutting tool? Yeah. Or or it was the moment where he steps up on top of the TIE fighter that I got a good look at it for the first time on my phone. Right. That was the moment where I realized what it was. I was like, oh shit. Yeah. Me too. Gideon has the dark. Cause I had just finished that massive rewatch gotcha. where I, from the moment Disney plus dropped to the rise of Skywalker, I had watched basically every piece of Canon star Wars media in a row. So you were pretty fresh on... So I was pretty fresh. Yeah. I went, oh, that's the Darksaber. Gotcha. That's a big deal. Yeah. And why I does Gideon it, have why it? Why does he have it? Like, I couldn't explain it even in my own head. Like, I was like, wait. I Well, what? it took me a second because I did not watch Rebels or anything like that before this. So I was like, wait, who the fuck had it last? Like, I thought about it. I was like, I know... Darth Maul had it at some point. I was like, did he kill Darth Maul to get this? But then I was like, wait a minute. No, that's not right. I know what happens to Darth Maul. So like, it was very it weird. Starts, it starts with Prey Vizsla and then Maul takes it. Right. And then Maul has it on Dathomir and Ezra and Sabine retrieve it from Dathomir. Sabine wields it for a while against right. Gar Saxon. And then, and this is going to be a big deal in season two, Sabine gives the Darksaber to Bo-Katan Cries. And the last time we had seen the Darksaber, Bo-Katan Cries had just accepted it and she was beginning to lead a rebellion on Mandalore. And now we have found out, A, that rebellion did not go well. And B, Bo-Katan doesn't have the Darksaber anymore. Any rational person would believe like, oh shit, she's probably not alive that's if, what i thought i was like is she is she dead well because the whole thing with the dark saber right is that like you have to win it in combat right so the Apparently, whole thing yes right so then it re, it's, a rational person would believe that she lost in combat and she is no longer alive because of it so as far as we know by this point she's probably dead as far as we know, something very right. bad happened to her to cause right. her to lose possession of the Darksaber. Exactly. So I, I thought about that and I was like, wow, this is going to be an interesting story. Because I never, if you would have told me that season two, that she would ever show up, I would not have believed you. Until show up, played by Katie Sackhoff. Right. Those two whammies. Because one, 
getting a voice actor to play the same character in live action almost never happens in real life. So unless it's just randomly like mitigating circumstances, <laughs> but she just, I guess, I mean, we can talk about it a little bit um, without going too much into detail. Cause I want to save it for when we actually, you know, see her on screen, but I, I would have, I would have guessed like, you know, they would have just picked some random to play her, you know, they, they would have gotten someone like, you know, they recast other characters, right. Who were fine voiced and, <laughs> and they recast them with actors with more on screen experience. Right. But, you know, we know part of the reason now, like the big one being Ahsoka, they recast Ahsoka. Well, yeah. The big one, of course, we now know the reason being is because they wanted her to headline the Ahsoka show. Right. But Bo-Katan is a neat case where it just worked out. And mm-hmm. it, the actress, she was in, I believe it was Battlestar Galactica. Sure. Or one of the nerd things. It was yeah. one of the sci-fi shows because I, I can't remember. It's either. I mean, it could have been a plethora. Battle, it's like stuff. Battlestar Galactica or one of these other Stargate shows. Something. It wasn't other. Stargate. She was. <laughs> it starts with a B, but I can't remember. She she she's she's done TV before. Gotcha. She's, okay. Well, then she's experienced. And like they it were just like, worked out as like yeah. oh you know it's just this perfect storm of things. But gotcha. like watching watching the dark saber at the end of mando season one it's like right it's a pretty big reveal neat and you know that every single article that came out literally two hours not even two hours after this aired was like the history of the dark saber and why it's important of the mandalore season two or whatever i mean i was like i swear i think i saw at least four or five articles about like what is the Darksaber? The Darksaber is important. The Darksaber is the, that major Easter egg at the end of The Mandalorian season one. Like, it's like, come on. Like One of the most bizarre experiences for me has been with WandaVision and now Falcon the Winter Soldier airing at the time that we're recording this, seeing sites like um, Screen Rant and comicbook.com that post these Star Wars articles. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, guys, like, yeah, this is ridiculous. Posting the same type of articles for WandaVision and Falcon and Winter Soldier. Yep. It was like the surprise Easter egg in WandaVision episode four. We didn't expect this character to show up in hashtag WandaVision. Right. And I'm like, this is such an interesting experience to see this from the other side of the fence and not know, like, because I would I would click on some of these articles occasionally. Yeah. Like they had a title that was interesting. I, now I always feel bad. It's like eating a whole can of Pringles, right? Is yeah. was what, clicking on these articles as a non-fan is like, it's not substantive. No. You feel bad for doing it, but sometimes the the impulse takes you and you do it. That's all I have for this episode. Uh, are you happy that we're finally done with the Mandalorian season one? It's been an interesting experience to go through episode by episode and yeah. really dive into it on a level that I didn't when I was initially watching the show. Next week, we will do a Mando season one overall discussion. We mm-hmm. will just look at it overall as a, as a season and then we will be done. And then we're taking a break from Mando. I'll just talk. 
I'll say briefly what the, the things that are coming up on the Gold Squadron Gaze podcast, because clearly we're not going anywhere anytime soon. Right. Things that are coming up, uh, we are going to take a little bit of a break. We're going to take about a week, week or two weeks off mm-hmm. after Mando season one. And then we are going to hop into something actually current for a change. I know. It's weird to think. We're going to do like... the Bad Batch. And then uh, we've got some fun stuff planned for the remainder of the year as well. But yeah, yes, I am. I am. Uh, I am. It's been an experience to go through and talk about Mando season one with this level of depth. Yeah, I'm 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 ready to kind of like summarize it all up and just kind of where we're at. uh, Summarize it up and God, just watch something else. (laughs) Right, exactly. Um, Well, you guys can uh, follow us on um, Instagram at Gold Squadron Gaze and on Twitter at uh, at Gold Squad Gaze. Mm-hmm. You can tell which one of us maintains the Instagram <laughs> and which one of us maintains the Twitter. Yeah, I thought about that. I was like, wait, it's I know it's like the something or. Oh, well, last week I didn't remember, or did last week or the week before I didn't remember the full Instagram name for the Instagram account. So it's like, hmm, we can tell who's maintaining what channel. It's fine. It's all in the description, so it's whatever. Yeah, get a co-producer, guys. It cuts your workload in half. (laughs) That's my producing tip for the day. Get someone else to do it. That's literally what a producer's job is. Well, until next week, Charles. Bye. She says Uh, you are the father, and you you need to pay child support. (laughs) Deadbeat dads are not cool.